As we jump in, we're going to start a new series on uh, the fruit of the Spirit. I think I've actually only done this once before, maybe like 15 or so years ago. Uh, but this is a really important topic. In fact, some churches actually preach on the fruit of the Spirit every single year. And we'll take nine weeks to go through all of them every single year because it is uh, such a core, central piece to who we are as we uh, are absorbed into the Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. And so let me read the uh, passage from Galatians 5. This will probably be very familiar to you, many of you, if you've been following Jesus for some time. And it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. This is the, the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to get into some really hard questions. Uh, first one is, uh, what kind of tree do you think this is? <laughs> apple tree. It's an apple tree. You can see an apple there. They're not hard questions. These are easier questions. How about this? How, what kind of tree is this? If you can see that through the sun. Pear tree, yeah, pear tree. Okay, we got that. We're doing really well. Uh, how about this? It's a peach tree, yep. Yeah. We can tell by, by the fruit on there. And how about this one? We don't have these around here unless you have them in your house, but a uh, cute little lemon tree, yep. Yeah. Uh, pretty basic. I actually got these shoes. at. A, I married a couple, that's Ruth's grandson, and their last name was Lemon. And all the guys had these yellow shoes. And I thought they were so cool. That's why I bought them. Uh, it's actually my favorite color. Yeah, yellow is a good color. Though, I don't know if I'd wear a yellow shirt. Well, maybe I would. I don't know. Anyways, off topic. Uh, so, we can look at trees, and we can tell what kind of tree is by the fruit. And uh, I think, actually, Jesus said something just like that. He said, a tree is recognized by its fruit. And so, we can look at a fruit hanging on a tree. We're like, I know what kind of tree this is. Um, and this is exactly what this passage is saying. Saying, we can look at fruit... And we know what kind of tree it is in the sense that we know where the, the Spirit is working. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we recognize where the Spirit is work, working? Just as we can recognize a tree by its fruit, we can recognize where the Spirit is working by the fruit of the Spirit. When we see love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We can see where the Spirit is working. And sometimes we, 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 we kind of dismiss a little bit of that because, I mean, we love things like power and healings and miracles, and we like those kind of things. And so when we see those things, we're like, oh, the Spirit must be at work. But if you see those things and they're missing the fruit of the Spirit, there's something off. I mean, the Spirit may be working in the midst of some funky stuff, because the Holy Spirit always says he works in my life and I've got some funky stuff going on just like you do. Uh, but this is, the, this is the core, if you will, of when you see the Spirit working. This is the core, if you will, if you talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, we like to talk about speaking in tongues and power and healings and miracles and those are great things and, and the Holy Spirit absolutely does those things. But at the core, the baptism or the filling or where the Spirit is working will always, always, always have the fruit of the Spirit. In the midst of those healings or tongues or miracles or just the work of the Spirit, you're going to see love and you're going to see joy and you're going to see peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithful and gentleness and self-control. You're going to see all of those things. And so uh, we, we sense that in the room sometimes. I mean, even this morning, I think somebody could sense the joy or the, maybe the peace 
uh, of the Holy Spirit in the room. And, and this is one of the tests you can do when, when you want to, well, where is the Spirit working? <laughs> Look for the fruit of the Spirit. Where is the fruit of the Spirit? Because this is where the Spirit is at work. And so, um, and you can tell where the Spirit is at work in your own life by looking at these nine different aspects. Now, another thing we note about this passage, and it's important to note this, is it says this, these, these are the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say fruits. It's singular. And it's why you don't see an and. We would think the sentence would say, you know, faithful, gentleness, and self-control. There's no and because this is all one fruit. This isn't the fruits of the Spirit, like, you know, a basket of fruits. It's, this is one fruit that when God gives the fruit of the Spirit, He gives them all. He doesn't just give you some and leave some out for another person. And maybe to help explain this, we can compare this to the, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, He will give you one and maybe not me that one and you something else. I mean, He will divvy out various ones, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. To the same Spirit, uh, uh, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one spirit, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing, and so on, and so on, and so on. And so all of us will, will have different gifts. Areas that the Holy Spirit really shines through us. I mean, some of you maybe have the gift of administration and you are like a super administrator. And then some of you have the gift of faith and you just, you just think everything is possible all the time and you drive everybody else nuts because they're like trying to administrate it, right? And, or maybe you have the gift of healing or whatever it might be. Um, we don't all have the same gifts. And so God gives a variety of different gifts to you, but not the same. But th this is different when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, it's one gift, all of them. You get all of them. It's not like, you know, I'm going to give you, you know, a hundred portions of joy, but only three of patience. Nope. It's, it's a fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So we can't see the fruit of the Spirit like a basket where, you know, you might take the pear, but you leave the kiwi. It's like you, God gives you all of them in one package. If you were to choose a fruit, I would, I would choose a, like a mandarin or a tangerine. tangerine. Let's see if an orange. We have one fruit, but inside that orange are all these little slices. I don't know what the name of the little things are, but um, it's one fruit, but there's different aspects of it. And, and, and when God gives the fruit of the Spirit, He gives us an orange, the fruit of the Spirit. But in that orange, we receive love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness, all of that in one package. Which maybe brings up the question is like, well, why does it seem I, I seem to be better at some than others? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I have a, a lot of patience, but not, maybe not a lot of joy. Or I, I seem to have a lot of gentleness, but you know, I'm not that loving always, or whatever it might be. Because uh, all of you will probably say that maybe when it comes to that list, you are better at some than the others. And we'll, um, other note here, and we'll get that back to that, is uh, we've got to be careful about judging when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We know where the Spirit is working based on love, joy, peace, patience, all those things. We've got to be a bit careful about judging others based on this. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll do this, you know, you know, you know, I seem to have a lot more fruit of the Spirit than that person. The Spirit must be more at work than me. I'm just be more special or something like that. You've got to be very careful about judging um, because you don't know where someone has come from. 
I mean, we could compare two people. I mean, say one grew up in, like, just a, like a, a really, you know, solid home when they were being raised, and a really healthy home, and so they, they just tend naturally, because of their life and experiences, to have a lot of joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness. They just tend to be more that way because they grew up in a solid home. And then you add the fruit of the Spirit to that and just kind of bumps all that up. And, and they might just seem like, wow, they, they were just fantastic people. They were really full of the Spirit because look at all the, the fruit of the Spirit going on there. But then there's another person. Let's say they grew up in a traumatic house, a very broken home, had a lot of loss and abandonment and just had a, just a very, very difficult. And so love and joy and peace and patience, those things aren't just sort of natural to them. And then they meet Jesus and the Holy Spirit fills them with the fruit of the Spirit. It bumps them up, but they still might be lower than that person over there <laughs> just because of their background. They've had a lot more growth to go through. And, and we might look at that person and say, well, that person's just not doing very well with the Spirit. But that person may have grown more actually than this other person. Uh, I even charted this out mathematically, if you want. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. It's like you're writing a sermon, it's like, wow, well, you guys really trapped. So this is, this is the thing to get Right? And it's the fruit, so they get, it's all the same. They get a 0.5, they get a 5 boost. And their overall number is fantastic because it's out of 15 right? They're like perfect on patience. They're just awesome. We look at those people like, those are the nicest people. They're just so full of the Spirit. They're doing amazing. We should all be like that person. And then you got this other person who, again, who's just had the, like, the most horrible life you could ever think of growing up. And some of you, I've heard some of your stories, some of you have some really, really hard lives, the stuff you have to go through. And this person, because they're really partnered with the Holy Spirit, and they're partnering so much with God, they actually get a bigger boost than the previous person, because they're really just trying to grow. And then they, and then, and then they look at the, oh, we still look at those overall numbers, and we're like, you know, you can easily judge that person and say, I don't think that person's doing very well as a Christian. But I know the math, they've actually grown more than the first person. <laughs> and so we've got to be careful when we judge people, because we don't know their story. We don't know where, where they've come through and where they've gone because it could be that you're judging someone who's actually doing better than you and Jesus. Not that it's supposed to be a rating, but they might have been partnering more with God and growing more in God. And so uh, the fruit of the Spirit is, is uh, it means we grow. So a couple of things about fruit. Uh, first thing is fruit takes time. And, and sometimes we might get frustrated because... Maybe you're not doing well on patience. Like, where is this patience? <laughs> I'm supposed to be getting it from God. It's the fruit of the Spirit, but I don't seem very patient. It takes time. I don't know you, but we, uh, like, maybe eight or nine years ago, uh, decided to grow a bunch of fruit trees from seed just as an experiment. So we had some apples and some plums and some cherries and we got all the fruits and we took all the seeds out and you know put them in napkins and wet them out we did the whole thing and then they started to sprout and put the little plants and then eventually they went outside and uh, I mean it took years and years and years before we started seeing fruit on these trees like some of them took like seemed like eight years in fact this is the first year we got pears on one of these 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 trees some of them turned out weird and like drew grew ginormous and had like weird you know crab apples or but some of them turned out legit fruit trees but it took a long time and, and this is with fruit and it's like the fruit in our lives that that god patiently works in us and we we work with god and some of these things can take time and and yet sometimes i've seen this maybe you've even had this in your mouth uh, you're uh, 
mouth and fruit. That works, but it's not what I'm saying. Uh, sometimes God will just do a miracle. I mean, I've seen people being infused with this radical joy or infused with an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, and it just seems like miraculous how much, how much that's changed them. But for a lot of most folks, it just, it's kind of a steady growth with God. And, and as the fruit of the Spirit grows and grows and grows. And so I don't get discouraged if you're not seeing it as fast as you'd like. Just, just keep partnering with God. And that's the second point is that fruit takes partnership. Um, I mean... Sure, you can by chance throw a seed out there of a fruit and it might grow a tree. And we had that actually happen because, I mean, years ago, I was eating a whole whack of cherries on my deck and spitting all the seeds off. And there's actually a cherry tree there. Um, but it's not very good looking. It's very skinny and tall and, and kind of weird because I've never taken care of it. But the trees that I have taken care of, the ones I fertilized and pruned and, you know, clipped the grass around and taken care of. I mean, those are doing really, really well. And, but if you ever want to see some super fruit trees that are doing amazing, you check out Choi. Troy has the most amazing, this guy grows like apricots and everything in like the shaded bush. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but he takes care of them. But when you partner with your fruit trees, man, you can get so much a more amazing, incredible fruit that's just tasty and good and beautiful. And this is the same with the fruit of the Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit is not just like some automatic thing because God is love. And because God is love, He doesn't control us. Because God is love, He doesn't force things upon us. He always works in partnership because that's what love does. And, and, and the same with the fruit of the Spirit. God is, is encouraging us and influencing us, and He's there with the Spirit trying to build the fruit of the Spirit in our life, but we always need to partner with that. If we're pushing the Spirit away and, and we're not working with that and we don't want to grow, then we're probably not going to grow all that much in the fruit of the Spirit. It takes partnership. And, and, and this is what happened in, in, and it takes partnership and it takes fighting sometimes because we know with fruit trees, there's always the pests. And somebody's got a, you know, the weeds and the bugs and the animals. And this year I really failed at my fruit trees in that because I said it was the first time ever we got pears on our fruit tree. We had four. And the bear ate them. <laughs> and the bear ate all my grapes and all our tomatoes and all our apples. Like everything, even our chickens, the bear ate everything. So I'm going to electric fence workshop next Tuesday because we're going to get this figured out. Uh, but <laughs> literally everything in the garden, everything and the neighbor's stuff too and uh, a lot of bear issues. But I mean, uh, sometimes you got to fight against the pests. You know, Jesus told the parable of this, the sower of the seed and, and some of those seeds grew, but some, you know, was infected by things, cares of the world or, or the enemy. And so we always are, we're partnering with God to create a fertile ground so that these things can grow in us. Now, we can get stuck in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you can be growing in these things and then just kind of get stuck. You know, a fruit tree should always be growing and producing more and better. If you're taking care of a fruit tree, it'll start small and years later, it just gets bigger and bigger. And then, you know, one apple and then five and then 10. There's this process of growth. And this is the way it is to be for us in the fruit of the Spirit. The longer you're walking with Jesus, the greater you should see these things flourishing in you. The more you're surrendering to the Spirit, year after year, you should just be a little more loving and a little more patient and have a little more self-control and a little more kind and just a little more gentle as you're growing in the Spirit. But sometimes we get stuck 
uh, because we just stop partnering with God and we kind of get onto our own thing. Sometimes we can go backwards. Um, sometimes that is because, you know, maybe we just kind of pull away from God. Sometimes we go backwards just because we've had a hard year. And you're going through deep relational issues or financial issues and your patience just isn't there as much. And, but, you know, sometimes we do go up and down. We'll take a step forward and go back five and then, you know, seven steps forward. But, but overall, we should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you just take a moment to maybe just do a little check-in with your own self, are you growing in the fruit of the Spirit? If you go back, you know, let's just, you know, leave COVID aside. If you go back three or four years, I mean, are you growing in your love for people? Are you growing in your patience with people? Are you growing in self-control when it comes to those things that, that aren't, aren't healthy for you? Are you growing in your faithfulness and your gentleness and your goodness? Because these fruits, God wants to, you to be growing in these things and flourishing in them. And so if we're stuck, and sometimes we just need to, need to ask God and say, God, why am I stuck? And to listen, and often you're going to hear just a small voice, and he's probably going to give you some suggestions, some areas to look at, and then you begin to partner with God uh, to grow those again. Now, uh, the last point in this is all just an introduction today. Uh, next week, we'll get into, into the first one. But there's this kind of weird phrase at the end of this, this verse. I remember when I first became a Christian, it was like 1997, a long time ago, um, I, had, I was in this little mentor group, and, and this was one of the first verses we had to memorize. And I remember when I memorized it, there was always this weird tagline, you know, against such thing there is no law. And I was like, I don't even know what that meant, but I memorized it because that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, it was a, it's a strange little line, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, or as the New Living translation puts it, there is no law against these things, or the voice, you won't find any law opposed to fruit like this, and, and that's going to help explain what they mean, but it means that, I mean, you look at the Old Testament law, 613 commands, there's, there's no command in there that says, you know, don't be too loving, you know, hold on on that patience, you know, you need to have a little more, you know, you know less self-control, if you will, I mean, there's no law against growing in these things, that we're just to be flourishing in the, there's no law that says, well, which is funny because I've run into Christians sometimes who, who throw laws at these things. Well, you know, you can't be too loving. It's like, man, really? really? That's kind of weird. You know, you don't have too much patience. You know, it's like, well, well, there is no law against these things. The Bible says just grow. Let them, let them just saturate your being. That's, that's one way you can look at this. There's another way that perhaps fits better with the context of the book. And it's kind of highlighted in the message. And the message is like a paraphrase, and he paraphrases it this way. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. And this might actually fit the overall context better. And I'm going to take about five minutes and just do a little survey of the book of Galatians. Because the whole book of Galatians actually leads up to this verse. And this is like, this is like the grand finale fireworks of the book of Galatians. The people of the Galatians were, were struggling with legalism. They were struggling with, with the law. They wanted to kind of go back into the Old Testament law where you had to do a bunch of things in order to be right with God. And so Paul, the author, he, he's, he opens the book with, he says to these, these, these folks, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. 
You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. And they were, they were leaving the freedom and the grace of Jesus back to like, if, if you want God to be happy with you, you need to do this, 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 and this, and especially this. And, and you got to be circumcised and all these laws. And, and, and Paul was saying, you're actually moving away from the gospel. Uh, verse six, uh, three, chapter 3 says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? So he's getting pretty serious. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit, Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. It's, it's about Jesus and his grace, not about all the good or bad things you do. And, and yet we subtly can fall into this trap. You know, if you really want to be filled with the Spirit, you know, here's all the things you need to do and you don't do these things, you've got to do these and we make all these rules and laws and, and all of a sudden we get so tangled up and you know, am I doing this right or am I not doing this right that all of a sudden we get, just, we get focused on the law. In fact, he goes on to say this. Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in, in, the, in God's book of the law. I mean, you go back to law and it, you're, you're living with a curse. In the sense that all of a sudden it's like, and the Old Testament had 613 laws. And then he had hundreds of laws interpreting those laws. And so you got like thousands of all these hundreds and hundreds of laws that, that if, I, if, if I'm going to be right with God by obeying the law, then I got to know all these laws. And oh man, I messed up on 110 today. And, and what was 93 again? Because I think I screwed up on that one yesterday. And, and there's 146th law. I really blew up on that. And, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're cursed because you're always like, did I do that or not? Or you're, you're shaming yourself for breaking the law. And all of a sudden your focus is all about do's and don'ts. And then... Of course, you've got to judge and shame other people because if you're not doing well, then you've got to make yourself think you're doing well. So if you shame and judge someone else and make them look like they're underneath you, then I'm feeling better about doing that. I mean, it's a curse to live that way. But Jesus has set us free. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. It's not, it's not about a bunch of rules. It's, it's about relationship. It's about walking with Jesus in his freedom and grace. And then he has this beautiful verse in chapter 5. He says, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting to call out Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child. You see, if you get caught up in legalism and rules and laws, you become a slave. What do slaves do? They listen to orders and they have to do these things and not do those things. And, and, and a lot of people, some people end up having that kind of relationship with God where I'm just a slave and I got to obey all those rules and I better do that and better not do that because, you know, I'm just, and he becomes a curse and you can become trapped and, and God has completely set us free from that. <laughs> He's totally take us out of that realm of like slavery into relationship. But we're just walking in the spirit and being filled with his love and allow him to whisper beautiful things into his heart. And, and, and then he goes on and says, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this, of this world. You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. 
Perhaps all my hard work with you is for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. And there's nothing more free when you get, you finally figure this out. It took me years and years and years in, in Christianity to figure this out, to get out under the curse of the law. I think that I have to do all these things to make God happy with me. And if I don't do this, then God's really not happy with me. Into this freedom of a relationship where you just can be, you, just, you live in this beautiful relationship with God where it's free. And you walk by His Spirit. And then comes chapter 5, which is the pinnacle of Galatians, where he says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And then in verse 14, he says, The whole world, give me love your neighbor as yourself. Get out of there, the curse of trying to memorize all the laws and being so like, I did this and I didn't do this, I'm not doing this. Just, just get rid of that. Just, you can sum the whole thing up in one simple saying, one simple command. Just, just love people. Love people. And then he says, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then. Uh, in verse 18, he says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this is the core of the, of the teaching here. You have a choice. You can be led by the Spirit in relationship with God as he whispers into your heart about directions and what you should do and not do. And it's a relationship. It's a love relationship thing. Or you can place yourself under the 613 commands and all the little sub-commands and, and try to live by that. And that's slavery. He, he's bringing you into sonship and being a daughter where you are free. And then the pinnacle of all, he, then he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you are walking in the Spirit and growing in the fruit of the Spirit, you don't need a bunch of laws to tell you what to do or not to do. Because <laughs> you're naturally going to do what is pleasing to God. I mean, just imagine this world if everybody was saturated in the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, the only reason we have a bunch of laws in this world, like don't steal and murder and blow people up and whatever, you know, these horrible things, is like, it's because that's not the fruit of the Spirit. If, if the world was saturated in walking in the fruit of the Spirit, we would need no laws. Because we'd be naturally just carrying out the kingdom and building the kingdom and, and growing in the kingdom. And, and so this is the, the whole thing that Paul is saying. Would you move out of slavery into this freedom where you let the Spirit guide you? Because when you do that, ultimately you get to where God wants you to be, and that is walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness. I mean, imagine a world... They described what the fruit of the, the very first fruit. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I mean, if we lived in a world where we were saturated with that, we would need no laws. And, 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 and God has provided a way that we can grow in this, and that is by walking in the Spirit. And so he says, so I say, live by the Holy Spirit's power. Or another translation, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. This whole deal with God is about a relationship. 
It's not a, a rule book that he's thrown at us. It, it, it's a relationship where he speaks into us and he builds into us so we can build his kingdom. And the kingdom is going to be primarily built by the whole loving people. And, and, the, and that happens through the, through the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, kindness, the gentleness, and all those other nine.